Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,157. Excellence is not a singular event. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Preston Calvert. Hey, Preston, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. Let's do this thing. Yeah, Preston is always buckled up, and you'll see why in a second here. Preston Calvert is a clinical assistant professor of neurology at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Preston is also a racer who competes in GT and GTS classes and is a medical advisor to the Pirelli World Challenge. He currently drives a 2018 Panos of Isano GT4, very cool car, a 2018 Porsche 991.2 GT3 Cup car, something that makes my heart pitter-patter, a 2010 Chevrolet Corvette SCCA GT2, and a 2012 Ford Mustang SCCA T2. See, I told you, Preston is a racer. He holds multiple championships and track records. He's an Army veteran of 15 years and practiced medicine for 27 years. Thank you for your service. Preston is part of the Racing Safety United, RSU, a new driver safety advocacy group with representatives from many areas in motorsports. And we're going to touch on that during our talk. If I've told our listeners just a little bit about you, would you take a brief moment, Preston, and share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles and racing? Well, thanks. You know, it's a, it's a privilege to be with you, and uh, I look forward to talking with you Uh I've always been interested in cars and motorcycles since I was a teenager. My first motorized vehicle was a was a motorcycle, and uh, I uh, had to defer a lot of my interest in motorsports until I was a bit older. So I'm a late-starting racer, and I've had a lot of ground to catch up, and I've had a lot of fun doing that, and I'm sure we'll talk some more about it. it it's been a, a really fun a few years, uh, about five years of, uh, of getting started in in racing and a, and a pretty steep climb. I've had a lot of fun. With it. I always say you can teach an old dog new tricks, and I'm not going to call you old, Preston, but you're 63 years old, right? I am. I am. Yeah, and the fact that you started racing later in life, I think, is a great testament to folks that say, oh, I'm too old for that. I can't get into that. Absolutely not. You can always get into that. There's always ways to get into it, and we're going to learn a lot more about your journey and how you've gotten into it in a big way. But first, I want to ask you for a mantra or a success quote, some kind of saying that has some meaning to you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here on cars. Yeah. So Preston, jump in the seat and take the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think my mantra usually uh, in, in most aspects of life is one that I have learned from some fellow racers, but it, it applied to my medical career as well. I'll give you two versions of it. One is victory loves preparation. And, uh, there's so many examples of that in motorsports, obviously, but but even in in, in every other aspect of life. And it kind of goes along with the sense that I have that goes all the way back probably to Aristotle, which is that excellence is not a singular event, meaning that excellence is is a way of being and it's it's a way of trying always to do your best. And and so those those two things together are my my mantras. You know, I love those, but especially the first one I've had. Gosh, hundreds of both professional and amateur racers on this show. 
I've heard this over and over again in having raced vintage cars myself. Most of the time, the race is won before you get to the track because right. of preparation. And oh, so important in racing to make sure everything is is dialed in and lined up. And by the time you get there, there's no kind of questions on anything that has to be done. It's kind of like, and this might be a funny analogy, but it's like going to a Concours event. I see people like waxing cars at a Concours. I'm like, seriously, you didn't do that before you got here? What are mm-hmm. you doing? You didn't prepare. Uh, that's maybe why you didn't win. So I would assume, obviously, the same is in medicine, right? I mean, you've got to be prepared before you you go into any kind of practice. That's right. That's really the link for me, I think, between my practice uh, uh, activities and then my subsequent uh, avocational activities in, in motorsports. Uh, be prepared, trying to uh, always bring my best game to my each patient I saw and the same with each, each time I'm in the car, each session on the track. Absolutely. Well, let's go back in time here, back in your past, and talk about a story that instigated the passion that you have for automobiles and racing. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were a car guy? I think it probably goes all the way back to to two things that I can remember that that sort of got me going. I learned how to drive a a pickup truck, a Chevy pickup truck with three on the tree, as we used to say. uh, Oh, yeah. I I remember those. (laughs) When I was about nine years old. And I sat on my uh, uncle's lap to drive, and he would work the pedals, and I would shift and, and steer. And uh, that was on the back roads of rural Texas, where I, where I spent my summers when I was growing up. And then, you know, really my first uh, motorized vehicle was a, a 90cc Yamaha motorcycle back in the late 60s. And I, uh, I could take that thing apart and put it back together and did many times uh, within a, a few weeks of getting it. It was just the way I was. And I, I love mechanical things. I love, you know, understanding how things work. And then the process of, of going in every way possible on, uh, on vehicles has just been part of my life forever. I, I think it, it all started, though, with these, you know, really early formative experiences, you know, driving, riding and working on my vehicles. So. You're still a motorcycle rider today, aren't you? I am. I ride street bikes now, although... I have a pull back to dirt bikes. I rode dirt bikes actually all the way through uh, college and medical school. I, I finally sold my uh, dirt bike when I graduated from medical school and came to Washington to start my internship and uh, actually planned to buy another one, but never got around to it because I was just too busy. But I, yeah. I, I love motorcycles. I know in our pre-show chat with Preston, we were talking about bikes because I used to ride bikes and He's got some pretty cool street bikes, but you have kind of a cool bike I wanted you to share real briefly that your wife bought you for your 60th birthday, which I think you have one cool wife. I really do. She's uh, she's special. Nobody can nobody else can have her. She's taken. But, <laughs> yes. Uh, she, uh, you know, she, I, I've been married for 40 years now, and uh, she realized that I she had promised me when, when I sold my dirt bike in 1979 and came to Washington to start my internship that that I had been promised I could, now that I sold my crummy old dirt bike, I could buy a, a nice new one, which at the time, the best of the best was a Husqvarna 250 or 400 cross motocross bike. And, uh, and I never got one and I was too busy and just never got one. And, uh, she, for my 60th birthday, I've always admired uh, Steve McQueen as a, you know, sort of a motorsports icon and, uh, and an icon of, uh, cool. And yeah, she uh, she went out and found a uh, a uh, properly managed uh, and uh, I, guess, I guess the term uh, preserved we'll say preserved that's yes. the, the 
preserved motorcycle that Steve McQueen had owned. And it has a fully documented provenance and, uh, he rode it uh, at Elsinore. Uh, I have the documents showing he rode this chassis and that motor wow. at, Els- at Elsinore in a desert race. It's got a lengthened swing arm, uh, mm-hmm. a welded in piece and, uh, has a custom titanium handlebar, which was a very exotic thing back in those days. Uh, wow. And uh, yeah, it anyway, cool. it's, a, it's a very cool thing. It actually has an interesting backstory, which I'll tell you some other time. Awesome. Wow. That is very cool. Well, Preston, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. Talk about a big challenge or even a big failure. The importance of this part of our discussion has to do with learning lessons. And these things teach us really valuable lessons, and hopefully those lessons can be carried through to a listener today that might be dealing with something similar. So tell us how this uh, failure, this challenge helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career and your business and even maybe in your racing. Yeah, well, I, I think the uh, probably the biggest thing in my life was that I, over the years, I, I became very heavy uh, going through my early and later middle years. And uh I gained weight up to, I weighed about 300 pounds by oh, wow. 2012. And uh, I'm only about 5'11". So it, I was a big fellow. And uh, I had maintained a lot of activities. I was a pretty healthy, you know, 300-pound guy, but but still. And uh, I made a decision after many years of trying to unsuccessfully to keep weight off with diet, dieting and exercise and so on. I made the decision to have a laparoscopic gastric bypass done. It was the most uh, life-altering and uh, positive thing that I could possibly have done for myself. So I lost o- over 100 pounds and uh, have kept most of that off. And it has uh, turned me from somebody who was uh, you know, struggling to even get into a race car to somebody who fits nicely in a race car on a motorcycle and, and has given me the, the personal confidence and, and health and well-being to... Uh, to accomplish some things, you know, later in life now that I couldn't possibly have done if I hadn't done it. It was a a real personal challenge to come to that decision. And then, you know, it's been extremely rewarding. And I I try not to proselytize to other people who deal with obesity, but it's a, it's a, it's a super common health problem. And it's one that has a, a a very, you know, successful treatment. It, It has to be well chosen for each person, but I'm, I'm an example of what, what, can can happen if you are you know, able and willing to do it. Well, congratulations. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. And especially being a physician, you realize it's a serious operation, a process. It's not something that's to be taken lightly and uh, demands a lot of things from you. But kudos to you for taking that step. And uh, I, wanting to get into a race car and wanting to race, was that, I mean, obviously wanting to be healthy is the key thing here. But yeah, that, that weight limited you. I mean, there's a lot of cars you can't fit in if you're that size. So was that the big motivating push you finally had? Prime motivator. Absolutely. I I had to climb in the top of the Skip Barber MX-5 open top cars uh, when I was uh, learning how to drive race cars. And they had to have a, I had to have the, the, quote, big boy seat when I when I uh, learned. And I was at about 100, 150 pound weight advantage to the kids who were driving, you know, competing against me. I've had every incentive in the world to uh, to remove the ballast from yeah from, from my <laughs> race car said. And, yeah and actually even fit in the car so yeah no it was it was probably the single biggest motivator but it had many other there were many others oh well that's great well congratulations on doing that when I was racing vintage cars uh, I had in fact he's been a guest on the show Louis Shevchik he uh, has a wonderful business GNL fabricating where they maintain and 
manage race cars for people. And when I first started racing, I asked him, I said, hey, is there anything I can do to make this car quicker? And he goes, oh, yeah, there's something we can do. I go, what's that? He goes, change the driver. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, Louie. But, uh, you know, he he kind of put a mindset into me that, yeah, it's all up to you. I mean, it's not the car. Yeah, there's a few things we can do here, but it's really up to you. So, well, kudos to you. And thanks for sharing a really personal story of success. It's great. How about a aha moment? Shifting gears here to go to something that was a big headlights for you down the highway that steered you down a proper path. Is there one you could share? Yeah, I think the biggest uh, aha moment for me was uh, learning how to drive the uh, Porsche GT3 Cup car. You know, it's uh, Porsche 911s are are fantastic street cars, but they are also fantastic race cars. But they require a a very distinct driving style, and and I uh, was challenged with by some friends uh, that I met in racing to uh, to learn how to drive a cup car. And I uh, went to the Porsche Sport Driving School uh, early in my you know, efforts to learn to drive race cars and and uh, uh, was uh, was able to get a few sessions in a cup car. And I had one of my instructors was a guy named Andrew Davis, uh, who is uh, a well-known sports car driver, former Rolex uh, GT champion in 2011 for Brumos Porsche, and sort of a protege of uh, Hurley Haywood, who your listeners probably know as the most uh, successful American endurance uh, sports car driver and former Porsche factory driver. And uh, Andrew was one of my instructors there and became my longtime now uh, coach in uh, in driving the cup car and and other vehicles. And and I think the the process of learning how to drive that car and how to do things right so that my my data when I get out of the car looks as close to Andrew's, you know, excellent professional driver data as I can make it. It's not quite a moment, but it's an aha process. And I I would say that's probably been the single most uh, helpful and and dramatic thing that I've uh, had a chance to learn how to do. And it spills over into all the other things that I do in motorsports. It's given me a lot of, uh, of new skills and confidence to drive all different kinds of cars. Well, obviously, the golden nugget there is find a great mentor, a great teacher, somebody that can help you along, because there's always somebody out there that can help you improve. And you mentioned Hurley Haywood. He's been on the show twice now. Really? Uh, saw him, yeah, I saw him down at Rensport uh, last month when uh, all the Porsches were there. He was there with Sean Cridlin. He has a great new book out that Sean did about Hurley's life that's just fantastic. Uh saw him during the uh, vintage races down during car week in August. He's just a great guy. What a history. What a legacy. But uh, yeah, find those mentors. Find those teachers. They're a huge, huge benefit. Hurley, you know, just to talk about Hurley for a minute. I, You know, I've met Hurley and, and actually been driven around the Barber Motorsports Park to lunch in, in a Panamera once with Hurley, which was pretty fun. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but he's a, you know, he's a special guy, you know, he's for, for many reasons. But this new book that, that you're talking about is one that sports car enthusiasts really ought to look at. I have two copies. One is autographed by Hurley. And, you know, there, there's a lot to learn about Hurley. I don't want to go into it here, but but he's been very open about his personal lifestyle. And he's been very courageous uh, to uh, to pave the way for a lot of other drivers uh, going yeah. forward with what he's done. And I, I, I really you know applaud him. And I'm proud to be sort of uh, two generations away from Hurley in terms of uh, the instructional process. Uh, yeah, great guy. Love love him. And again, listeners, if you missed my talks with Hurley, go back to the Cars yeah website and you'll find him. He's been on the show twice now. He was on the show 
when Sean came out with the book. So they both were on the show together, which was a really cool show, kind of unique and different. But uh, if you want to learn about someone whose whole life in endurance racing and success, and as he said, get got into his personal life and all the th- dealings there, get your hands on this book. Um, you'll be able to find it. I'll put a link to the book on uh, Preston's show notes page as well, since uh, you have two copies. You got me beat. I've got a copy. But uh, <laughs> it's a fantastic book. Great read and really in-depth. It's super. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car. Is there a, a first car that you got some point in your life that you went, yeah, I made it. Here it is. You know, it's funny that I, I was trying, I was thinking about that as you were, uh, as you were starting to ask the question. And I, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny car to talk about, but probably the, the first car that I thought, you know, this is the car that I, you know, how, how could I possibly want anything more than this? I was in the army and I, uh, I finally had a chance to buy a, a real sports car for the first time. And I bought a, a Nissan 300 ZX twin turbo and ah. uh, 300 whole horsepower, which at that time I remember saying to a friend of mine who had a Corvette, uh, how could you possibly want any more horsepower than that? You know, I mean, holy moly. And uh, of course now it's routine to have twice that and more, but it, it was uh, it was a very special car to me, and I, I really enjoyed uh, driving it. And uh, it's one of those that I kind of still wish I had. It was it was a great car. Well, is that your seller's remorse story? Because that's the next question I've got to bring up, and that's a car you've owned and let go. Is that a car that you wish you still had? It's a little bit, absolutely. I would say the car that I had that I let go that I really wish I had kept was the next sports car I owned, which was a uh, my first Porsche 911, which was a uh, Porsche 993. That was the last air-cooled generation. Yeah. Uh, Porsche 911. I had a, a Carrera 4 uh, coupe that was uh, polar silver, beautiful blue silver with a dark blue interior. The thing probably has doubled in value now from when I had it, and I foolishly let it go, and uh, would still love to have it and drive it. I, I I have no idea sometimes why I sell things, but anyway, I sold. Yeah, it. you know, Preston, we share something here. I had a '98 4S. 993 there you go uh that was arctic silver yeah yeah and uh yeah let that car go and so i look back and go what was i thinking it's like but you know there was always something else down the road and who'd have thought that porsches would have gone where they have gone in value but i really love that car that vario ram engine when you hit about four thousand rpm just made that whoom sound that was just marvelous so Ah, how well. The appearance was beautiful, too, with a kind of a kind of a narrower hipped kind of a small body style, uh, which, uh, you know, the, the new 911s, uh, I still love very, very much. But that smaller 993 profile was was one that we, we can all still love. It's a great car. Yeah. And the, the S model that I had had a little bit of a turbo-esque body to it, a little wider, you know, hips and everything. But you're right. The, the newer cars have gotten a little heavy. Mm-hmm. I guess is a nice way to say it. They're just, they're pretty big. And having been at Rensport recently, when you look at them parked to an old long hood 911 or even a 993, the old cars look little next to them. Yeah. But what's beautiful about them, my, my current 911 is I have a GT3 Touring, a, a current model. Ooh. Oh, nice. That I, that I special ordered. And, and, uh, I'm the only, I'm probably the only person in the world that actually had an allocation for a GT2 RS. And turned it back for a GT3 Touring because I knew I would enjoy driving that more. Uh, yeah. So, well, uh, you know, I've seen some good YouTube videos about just that. Yeah. Everybody thinks they want the race car, quote unquote, or the street racer or track weekend racer. But when you get one of those and actually drive it on the streets, 
it's not very comfortable yeah. to drive. Yeah, and I, you know, people like people like you who did have done vintage racing, and me who's actively racing, you know, uh, current generation cars. Uh, honestly, racing is, you know, race cars are for the track, and yeah. you know, and uh, street cars are are wonderful things for the street. And to me, I, I'm very much happier having a car I enjoy driving on the street. I'm glad to hear that because I had a talk with uh, actually Preston. I found out we have a mutual acquaintance, uh, Bill Morris, who's a good friend of mine. Shout out to Bill. He's a listener, a guy that I travel with, and we both love Porsches. And we were down at Rensport looking at the uh, touring model that you're talking about versus a GT3, GT, and we had the exact same conversation. Exactly. So uh, apparently, for listeners, uh, Preston and Bill were in medical school together way back in the day. So I'm going to reconnect you guys. We were residents together at Walter Reed, actually, just after there medical we go. school. Okay, there you go. Yeah, well. He's a neurosurgery resident, and I was a neurology resident. Absolutely. Small world, isn't it? Uh, well, I'm going to reacquaint you two car guys. I think you'll have a lot to catch up on here. Well, I would love to talk about this Racing Safety United, because that's what really got Preston and I together here today. We were connected through this new organization, a new driver safety advocacy group with uh, representatives from many areas of motorsports. I'd love for you to share your involvement with it, why you're involved, why it's important, so people can learn a little bit more about RSU. I think, uh, you know, the the RSU project is was started by R.J. Valentine, a well-known uh, racer uh, who's also involved in track design and in track safety, uh, racetrack safety, um, and involved in improving the uh, the barriers around tracks that uh, are charged with uh, decelerating vehicles when they come in contact with them in a way that's uh, that that has the best chance of uh, reducing injury on the part of the driver he realized uh, along with some friends that there was really an opportunity to uh, bring a, a diverse group of people together in motorsports who were interested in various aspects of safety to try to uh, Find ways to move move the ball forward in motorsport safety uh, in ways that may not be addressed uh, currently or actively by the the biggest uh, safety organizations, the sanctioning bodies, FIA, the helmet and uh, suit uh, uh, standards bodies like Snell and so forth. I uh, I got involved uh, realizing that there's really a place for this because many of these. Uh, Things need to be done that don't have a current champion in any of those uh, homes. And so the RSU will be a place that can improve the uh, awareness and uh, drive the improve, improvement process in the industry across a, a broad front of different activities. I've been very interested in uh, trying to improve uh, uh, driver uh, success at avoiding concussions uh, uh, sometimes referred to as mild traumatic brain injury as a broader category. And uh, I've had several concussions myself, the first of which occurred in college when I was playing rugby. And, uh, and, and, and subsequently, I've had uh, at least three uh, that I am am aware of, at least, driving uh, race cars. And the, the thing that you realize pretty quickly when you study this as a, as a medical professional, uh, and especially as a neurologist or neurosurgeon is, the helmets that we currently use to protect our heads when we drive race cars and motorcycles do a, a pretty good job now of protecting us from penetrating injuries uh, where the helmet is, you know, where something can actually break through the skull, damage your brain um, and uh, hurt you in that way. And they're the standards that, that the various organizations like Snell have 
uh, and FIA have are very specifically designed to test the helmets in ways that help make sure they protect you from those injuries. But what they don't do is reduce the effects of rotational accelerations of the head. So if your head is, is rotating and moving in an angular way when it contacts something, it is or is accelerated by a part of the car, for example, or the seat, uh, the helmet we have now does pretty much nothing to protect you from the effects of that. And it's that kind of rotational movement that causes concussions. Helmets that we have currently don't do anything really to help concussions or prevent them. And my, uh, my focus uh, uh, is to try to document the importance of concussion in motorsports and then work gradually towards improving the, uh, the protective mechanisms we have uh, you know, for drivers in that context. One last thing is I, in terms of screening people for concussions in motorsports, drivers uh, for concussions, to protect them from themselves, second concussions after, before they've healed, and to protect their fellow drivers from them being impaired when they're on the track. I've had a good partner in Pirelli World Challenge in uh, introducing and making a mandatory part of the series last year, this current season, 2018, um, a driver screening protocol that every driver is baseline tested and then retested after any on-track on incident that might conceivably have caused a concussion. And we've, uh, we've been very successful with their uh, cooperation in getting that up and running and have 200 plus uh, amateur and professional uh, race car drivers, uh, sports car drivers in our database now and are following them along to try to protect them from uh, concussion. Well, this is great. Uh, wonderful to hear. And, and by the way, RJ Valentine, or Richard Valentine, is now a fellow alumni Carja guest with you, Preston. He was a, a guest back on uh, August of 2016, guest number 581, 580, 581, I believe it was, uh, on the show here. So yeah, you're in good company with some good, great people. Oh, marvelous work that all you guys are doing there. And I'll make sure I put a link to that on Preston's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. You can learn more about that, especially if you're a driver, learn more about safety and your old noggin. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Preston. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car parked in a garage or a motorcycle, what would you be and why? I would probably be a, a last generation Ford Mustang race car. I would be, I would be the uh, S197 generation uh, Ford Mustang GT race car because I would be, I would require of my driver uh, that I that he or she had excellent uh, car control skills to deal with my live axle <laughs> and, and would have excellent uh, driver uh, driving skills uh, to do heel-toe downshifting properly and handle my nice, delicate uh, MT82 transmission. I would, uh, I would give a lot of enjoyment back uh, to that driver if he or she could, uh, could master those skills. So that, that's the car I would be. Nicely done. I like it. Well, Preston, up next is the last a lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. 
It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Preston, we're back. We're entering the last lap. This is a place you've been. The white flag's out. Time to put your foot into it. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received? Find a way to put your foot all the way down when you go to throttle. And in, a, in the exit of a racing uh, turn, find a way to go early to throttle. And uh, there you that, go. that's how you uh, learn to be fast in a race car. In slow out fast, as they used to tell me. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Um, I think it's uh, to be well-prepared and to study carefully what I'm uh, going to do and uh, to try to uh, be flexible and be able to be spontaneous, but to try to prepare actively for everything that that I'm about to do uh, so that I do my absolute best at it. There's that oh-so-important be-prepared motto in racing and in life. It works for just about everything. Yep. Now, how about a resource? There are awesome resources for us these days. Is there one in particular you'd like to share? Uh, I would share with people the uh, excellent uh, World Challenge uh, website. Uh, I, I race in Pirelli World Challenge. It's now part of a larger uh, international group uh, called SRO, the Stefan Rattel Organization. And uh, anybody interested in sports cars and especially amateur uh, and pro-am sports car racing really ought to acquaint themselves with uh, the SRO and the World Challenge website. Is that website, is it sro.com or .org? Or? Um, I would start with world-challenge.com, world-challenge.com. And that will have links that could lead you all over the SRO uh, field of play. There you go. Now, if I could wave my magic wand and allow you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive or racing industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Uh, I definitely would want to have have a beer with Paul Newman. I, I sort of consider him the patron saint of late starting drivers. He started about 10 years younger than I did and had great success, much more than I'll ever have. Uh, but he was obviously a, a good person as well as a famous and successful actor and, and a very successful race car driver. And 
if I could have a if I could have a beer or a meal with Paul Newman and and learn uh, from him about his uh, his experiences and his motivations, I would do that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners would really enjoy reading? Uh, yeah, I think uh, as a way of trying to uh, get a feel for what motorsports is all about, probably I would say uh, pick Mark Donahue's The Unfair Advantage. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a book that sort of captures the essence of what racing is really all about. It's about not cheating, but trying to find the the way of understanding the rules and the the parameters of a rule that determines a, a racing class and then optimizing uh, within that rule the very best that you can. And Mark Donahue went to the same college I did. He went to Brown and he was a, an engineer and he was the ultimate thinking man's uh, race car driver and race engineer. So, Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. would, I would recommend that book highly to people. It's a great book. sits on my shelf. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find this book and all the other great resources Preston has been so kind to share on his Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Preston Calvert, and that page will pop right up. All right, Preston, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy, but it's a fun thought. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet, but there's a couple rules to this game. It's the only cool collector car you can have. Money's no object. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. You have to keep it. And you've got to drive it. No garage queens here at Cars Yeah. So what can I buy you today? That's an easy question for me. That, <laughs> that's that's the easiest question you've asked me. Cool. It's a, it's a Porsche 9046. I would have a Porsche 9046 in driving. Not It doesn't have to be in concours condition, but it needs to be a driver. And I would drive that at every opportunity I had, street and track. Well, what's cool about that car is it is a street car, too. So it is a street legal car you can drive. But, yeah, you pick something awfully nice. I saw a bunch of those when I was at Rensport last month. And it, there's that car over the years has really grown on me. Way back when, I don't know why it wasn't something that really stood out for me, but it's really grown. Um, really has, nice. Yeah. It had a little bit of a kit car quality to it when it first yep. came out. But and I think maybe because of the fiberglass body and so forth, and it's quite atypical for the Porsche uh, 911 uh, shape. But but it was uh, I tell you one of the most one of the coolest videos that anybody can find on YouTube is go find a video of Walter Rural driving the Porsche 904 uh, in a relaxed but super fast sideways mode, uh, you know, around a racetrack. It's an incredible video. <laughs> I know that video. Yeah, it's pretty darn cool. Oh, nice. And, you know, Chuck Beck is building uh, replicas of that car right now. And there were some of those at Ren Sport. I had a Beck Spider way back in the day that was a really, really fun, cool car. I've always thought, ooh, a 904 up here in the rain where it rains a lot because my car had no top. You get really mm -hmm. wet in the rain. Nice. Uh, having Chuck build something with maybe a 2.7 liter engine, 911 engine or something in it would be pretty cool. So, but the real deal. Well, I'll get to work on you for that. Preston, you have taken me on a great ride today. Really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive racing journey with us today. Did you offer our listeners one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 9046? Absolutely. I, I would say follow your passion and your and your uh, your interest and don't wait too long. You know, that you 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 need to pursue that while you still can. Don't wait too long. Uh, I, I almost waited too long, and it's it's yeah. important to get after it. If you, if you want to do something, go ahead and do it. Get after it. I love it. 
And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and also uh, perhaps to go and learn more about the organization you're involved with, Racing Safety United? Uh, yep. So uh, Racing Safety uh, United, the uh, the uh, website uh, is, uh, uh, I'm sure we can put a link to it on uh, yes. on the on the page. And uh, please uh, follow along with us. We're uh, starting up uh, and getting going uh, over the course of the, the end of this year. And we'd really love to have people participate with us. And to follow me right now, please follow the uh, Team Panos Racing. I race for the Panos Racing Team, uh, which is based in uh, Brazelton, uh, Georgia. We are uh, going to be racing uh, at Laguna Seca in the SRO 8-hour in our Avizano GT4 car in honor of Don Panos, who just passed away about two weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, we would uh, I'd love to have you uh, go to our uh, website and check it out. The That's a very easy uh, URL. It's Panos, P-A-N-O-Z dot com. Absolutely. Yeah. Mr. Painters was a guest here on Cars Yeah. As his son has been a guest here on Cars Yeah, we really lost a iconic legend in racing and business and, and everything. What a marvelous man. For you listeners who want to go back and listen to my talk with him, it was a real honor to have him on the show. I'll make sure I put all these links on Preston's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. I'd encourage you to check out what they're up to and uh, what they're doing here for safety for race car drivers and cars. And for those of us who love to go do track days and things like that, no matter what speed you're traveling at, remember to keep those speeds on the track, not on the streets. Listeners, you can find links to everything Preston has shared on his Cars Yeah show notes page. And Preston, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate uh, your having me on the show. And it's a, it's a, it's a real privilege and great to be in the, in the long and uh, uh, exalted list of uh, motorsports uh, uh, personalities that you've had on the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure's all mine. I have had a tremendous honor of having many, many inspiring automotive enthusiasts, including you, Preston. Great to have you here. We'll see you soon. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.